This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We are 45 days away from the 2023 NFL Draft. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 23. I'm CBS Sports Draft Analyst Ryan Wilson, and I'm joined by our general manager, Rick Spielman, who has more than 30 years of NFL experience, including a decade as the Vikings general manager. In case you missed it, we had our first with the first pick emergency podcast on Friday afternoon, right after the Panthers and Bears swap picks. On today's show, we'll take a look back at that trade, and then take a look at free agency since the tampering period is officially underway and deals are already being announced on Twitter. Finally, we'll wrap things up with some mailbag questions. Like I said, the emergency pod for Bears Panthers is in the feed. And remember, we're now live three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. This Wednesday, we'll be talking about the top five running backs in this draft class with our guy Emery Hunt. And then it's another mock draft Thursday. So be on the lookout for those shows. And as always, you can watch us live on YouTube at NFL on CBS. And while you're there, subscribe and leave us a comment. And hey, drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And look, we know you're on text threads about the draft with your buddies. Tell them to listen to what the first pick. All right, one last thing. It's bracket time, so get yours in now on the CBS Sports app. You can play in men's and women's pools with friends. Join our challenges for a chance to win a new car and a trip to the 2024 Final Four. Get the CBS Sports app or visit cbssports.com slash pick six. To start filling out your brackets, no purchase necessary. See terms and rules for details. All right, Rick, let's get to it. Man, it's been a crazy weekend, and uh, it's only going to get crazy with free agency tampering period on right now. It's going to get official on Wednesday, but we're hearing deals be announced first. Though, let's talk back, take a look back at the uh, Panthers. Well, first of all, I'm still trying to get my brackets done. Have you filled out your brackets? I quit watching even though i'm a huge unc fan that's yeah, the 1980s no <laughs> <laughs> they did not that's the 82 team that team made it michael okay. jordan's freshman year but i haven't watched a ton of college basketball in probably 10 years are you a college basketball guy no but i'm going to fill out a bracket just to support cbs and everybody out there uh okay so uh, i'll have my daughter fill it out for me all right who, do you, who does she have winning do you think you don't know well, yet. Yeah, but we, 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 I had to get ready for the podcast. I have a lot of things going on. So tonight we're going to really hone in on that bracket. Okay. All right. We look forward to hearing who your favorite pick is, and I'll be sure to adjust my bracket accordingly. <laughs> All right. We're uh, two days removed from, from Panthers-Bears, and here's a crazy thing. There have been 14 times that teams have traded up to the first overall pick, going back to 67, I believe. I have it right here. Uh, the first time, 1967, the Colts trade up to number one to get Bubba Smith. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I was. Were, were you born then? No, I wasn't. Yeah. Thanks for asking, though. Um, a defensive tackle, which is sort of rare. But my point is that it's happened 14 times if we include the trade with the Panthers and the Bears on Friday. Never in the history uh, of those 14 times has a team traded up to number one and then traded back down. But let's talk about it just for the sake of talking about it. So the Panthers now control everything. They control their destiny. They get a lot to get to number one. They can take whatever quarterback they like. But if they like two quarterbacks or three quarterbacks, can they now sort of pit the Texans at two and the Colts at four against one another? They're in the same division. They may be willing to overpay if they're worried about the other team in the division to go up to number one. Would that be something on your radar if you're the general manager of the Panthers? 
I think it depends on who they have, but I think I don't know if the reason why they moved up to number one was to control the draft or they really, really like one of these two quarterbacks. And we talked about him, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. Um, I'm going to be anxious to see, and we talked about this a little bit on the emergency podcast, is if any of these quarterbacks end up pulling out of their pro days, which we're going to be covering exclusively uh, for <laughs> CBS <laughs> next week. And if we show up and one of the quarterbacks is not there for the workout, then you know who the Carolina Panthers are taking. But they may look at and listen to some offers, but I don't think they were as aggressive as they were to go up and then move back down. Maybe to recoup some draft cap, but you better make sure that you got that franchise quarterback because the ownership is definitely uh, putting, I don't want to say pressure, but putting the squeeze on that we're going to get our franchise quarterback out of this year's draft. So let's say you have C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young graded equally. You're the Panthers GM, and the Texans want to trade up and give you some of those draft picks back. Would you think about doing that? Well, if I have, if I know I'm going to secure one of those two, and yeah. I do not care which one I get potentially, uh, but it could be Houston that uh, is happy with either one of those two and may just sit there and whatever falls, be patient and we'll take either one and be happy as, you know, as you can be going off. The interesting one will be, will the Colts move up? Right. To try to um, jump the Texans. But if Carolina moves down to four, then you're looking into more of the project type quarterbacks that we, I don't believe are ready to start their first year. And that's Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. Yeah. I heard from um, someone in the league prior to the trade going down on Friday that the Texans are all in on Bryce. That potentially changes because we don't know what's going to happen to the top. So we'll, we'll see. Well, we'll see how this unfolds with pick one, pick two, pick four, pick seven, less so because we'll talk about this in a second, but the Raiders uh, have signed Jimmy Garoppolo, which you predicted last week, and it appears to be about to be set in stone. So we'll talk about that in a second. One other thing, Rick, and you mentioned this on the emergency pod. You just mentioned a moment ago. If Bryce Young is the guy for the Panthers, if the Panthers stay put and Bryce Young doesn't work out at his pro day next Wednesday, I think is what it is. That's a clear indication that he's probably their guy. Oh, but I was just so you know, so everybody understands, we'll be reporting from the Ohio State Pro Day on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Then we'll go to Bryce Young's Pro Day on Thursday. And then we'll go back up to Will Levis's Pro Day on Friday. And then the following week, we'll hit Anthony Richardson's. Yeah, man. They're, they're, they're getting their money's worth. Um, but if Bryce doesn't work out next week, that sort of lends credence to your theory, but, and I talked about, we talked about this earlier before the show and I just looked it up back in 2016, the Rams traded up to number one. They took Jared Goff. He worked at his pro day on March 18th. And that, that trade took place. I'm not sure the exact date of it, but it took place weeks ahead of the draft. And then also back in 2012, Washington traded up to number two, Andrew Luck went number one. That happened weeks before the draft too. I don't have the exact date again, but RG three worked out at his pro day. So it would be, historical for a number of reasons if a quarterback doesn't show up at his pro day based well, on this that you have trade. to look at if you're with your uh crack pot research team <laughs> were those pro days before the trades or were they after the trades were already made yeah that I, makes I, a difference i get that part i didn't get that far in the, the research <laughs> i'm sure Debo will and i call it a crack staff not a crack pot staff uh, all right, so that's Panthers-Bears. If you want to hear more about it, check us out in the feed. The emergency pod still stands in terms of uh, the information. Nothing really has changed on that end, and it was it was a good podcast, a good 28 minutes, tight 28, as they say in the business, Rick. So check that out if you want to hear more about that. Now, let's take a look at the odds quickly, and I know you're not an odds guy. I'm not really an odds guy either, but it sort of gives you some indication of what the public is thinking based on Vegas odds of where this quarterback situation might shake out. And right now, CJ remains the favorite to be the first overall pick. And you know what? We talked about this last week, Rick, when you were at the Zach Wilson pro day and he had one of the best pro days in human history. That's when the 49ers trade up to number three, they ended up taking Trey Lance. And I say that because I think sometimes we warn ourselves every May don't fall in love with pro days. And every March we fall in love with pro days. And in much the same way that CJ 
Zach Wilson him going second overall. CJ Strauss now the favorite, I think in part because of the way he was so accurate at the combine. Now, from an evaluator, you'd like to see these guys in person. You were in the in the stadium for some of these sessions uh, at the combine. How much of your of your opinion changed watching CJ throw against air in shorts and t-shirt? Well, when you watch it on tape, you think you, you, you I mean you're evaluating the throws, you can see the completions, but there's nothing like watching these quarterbacks throw live because I thought you know, watching Will Levis's, I knew he had a strong arm, but I thought the ball really jumped off his hand at the combine. And that verified that, yeah, this guy throws a tight spiral. He can make all the throws. He can throw it on a rope 20 yards down the field, can hit all the out routes. I think it was the same thing with CJ. We talked about how accurate of a thrower he was from the pocket. But then when you actually see it with your own eyes, you see his feet, you see his uh, release, everything just so smooth and effortless. And then Bryce Young, why the gap closed is because he elected to not do anything at the combine and wait for his pro day. So it would have been great to see all four stacked up in their throwing motions and uh, the zip on the ball. I've been you know, fortunate enough to see Bryce play live twice in game situations and have no question about the ball coming off his hand and the velocity he needs to make all the throws in the NFL level. But the other guys, it was great to see them step up, throw at the combine. And that's the importance of the combine is it verified some things that a lot of people seen on tape and it actually helped C.J. Stroud closed that gap as potentially being the number one overall QB selected in this year's draft. So if you're not watching on YouTube, the odds right now as we sit here on March 13th, C.J. Stroud is minus 330 to be the first overall pick. Bryce is plus 260. Anthony Richardson is plus 475. And then Will Levis is plus 3,000. It feels like Will Levis, in the eyes of the public anyway, is a distant fourth. NFL teams could feel differently. I know that some teams at the top of the draft board, like Will Levis, uh, more than Anthony Richardson, but uh, we got a long way to go in terms of that. Let me ask you one last thing about this, and I'm not comparing CJ to Zach. I'm just talking about when you see these guys throw against the air, if that can um, perhaps unfairly change your opinion. Were you moved at all off of Zach Wilson uh, in terms of a more positive evaluation based on that pro day? Yeah, you get a little excited about it, to be honest <laughs> with you. Okay. You know, when you go out and see him, but then – we get back, everybody goes back into their April draft meetings and then uh, it starts all over again. You start punching holes in all these guys. And usually you punch so many holes in every prospect that you don't <laughs> like anyone till about two days before the draft and you're back in love with everyone again. So, um, but that's all part of the process. It happens uh, every year. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, you always got to go back to, remembering what you what you saw on tape and the thing that I'll say about Zach Wilson was even though he had a great workout and he had a great year at BYU before he came out but he his was a little bit a uh, little bit rodeo Joe cowboy type plays that he was making on the tape rolling to his left throwing back across his body it was a great it was fun tape to watch to be honest with you um, but you're finding out that some of the stuff that he did, in college on that tape, uh, he has not been able to do uh, in the NFL because the athletes are stronger, faster, and uh, you're not going to get away with a lot of those throws he got away with in college. Yeah, and we're actually going to ask a question along that vein when we get to the old mailback section later in the show, so stick around for that. All right, uh, over the weekend, before tampering began on Monday, free agency-wise, we had a trade. There were hints that Jalen Ramsey might get traded from the Rams. Jalen Ramsey got traded from the Rams to the Dolphins. And here's the thing. Back in September 2020, Jalen Ramsey signed a five-year, $100 million deal with the Rams. And that included a $25 million signing bonus and $71 million guaranteed. So you might ask yourself, if you're asking, if you're talking to former general manager Rick Spielman, how in the world – for someone that special, did the Rams only get a third-round pick plus second-year tight end Hunter Long in, in terms of compensation? Because if he's one of the best cornerbacks in, in the NFL, shouldn't he get more than that? What, what's your response to that? Well, you have to look at the draft compensation, but and what is not known is how much the monies did LA Rams pay any of that contract 
And um, are they so that they could fit into Miami's cap situation, what they have down there? And they had to clear enough room to make sure it was able to fit. But a lot of times in the negotiations and recently over the last couple of years, when you make these type of trades, you might say, well, gosh, shouldn't they have gotten more value than that? But it is also the compensation. And sometimes teams are buying part of that contract. I've been in a situation where we traded for a player. Um, we gave up a fourth round pick, I believe, fourth or fifth round pick. We were at a five, but since they paid most of the compensation and we got the player for minimum, it moved up to a four. So a yeah. lot of times part of the negotiation is you're going to take on this size contract. I understand the draft capital compensation is light, but how much is that other team paying for that portion of the bill? So you're getting a, getting a player. So maybe what was he scheduled to make, Ryan? Do you know this year? Yeah. He was scheduled to make this year in 2023. His base salary 17 million, cap hit was going to be 17 million, dead cap was third was 12.5 million. Okay, so let's say the 17 million that's coming. Well, okay, let's say the Rams if I'm the Miami Dolphins and the Rams pay 10 of that 17, I'm getting a player for 7 million dollars and a third round pick. Right. <clears throat> so if they played the whole thing and he was playing for minimum, I would want more draft compensation. So what does this do to you quickly? I'm going to go deep into this, but in terms of what it means for the Rams, I mean, for the, uh, for the Dolphins, because our buddy Pete Prisco tweeted over the weekend that the Dolphins are still the fifth or sixth best team in the conference. And of course, uh, <laughs> Dolphins fans were incredibly angry, but if, you know, they're bringing back Tua, they're picking up his fifth year option, I believe was the, the word on the street. And if he's healthy, he can certainly play at a high level. And now you're bolstering this defense. Noah Ipnogany hasn't really worked out. They're moving on from um, the cornerback that they signed from the Cowboys, whose name I can't remember right now. Um, so uh, Byron Jones. Byron Jones, thank you. And this team feels like on paper, if they can fix this defense, they'll be right in the mix. What do you think? Yeah, they don't forget last year they traded for Chubb as well. Oh, for, yeah, that's right. Good Lord. For uh, So they're building this team to win now. You know, they got Tyreek Hill. Uh, in the prime of his career, they're getting Jalen Ramsey, who's still very good, but maybe starting to get a long, get a little long in the tooth. But he still has a few gear, good years. They were aggressive to go out and get Chubb, so they're trying to build this roster to win now. And they're all, everybody's trying to catch the Buffalo Bills, so um, they're going to do everything they can uh, to try to win this division and see how far they can go. But this isn't a rebuild mode. They. Uh, are in position now, and Chris Greer has done a, a good job on the draft, and now uh, they're going more on, well, let's let's see if, how far we can go. Let's kind of put our chips in the middle of the table, and let's see how far we can get. And if the, the Jets get Aaron Rodgers, then this division suddenly becomes like crazy town USA. Um, it was almost like what we saw and everything that happened in the AFC West last year. Yeah. Now it's a little bit of arms race going on. It started a little bit in the AFC East um, last offseason, you know, with the Tyreek Hill trade and uh, people trying to catch the Buffalo Bills. But now, you know, Buffalo went out to sign Von Miller, and and so everybody's trying to counter those moves. So uh, this is the uh, beginning of the arms race, and it looks like it's going to be the AFC East this year, especially if uh, Aaron Rodgers ends up as a New York Jet. Part of me thinks that the Jets might be better off long term with Jimmy G than Aaron Rodgers, but that's a conversation for. Uh... Well, that's not no stop. <laughs> All right, well, that's a perfect time to take a break. We'll, we'll be right back after this. All right, check out the Pick Six podcast all week for free agency reactions and a heavy dose of winners and looter, losers. Download and follow the Pick Six NFL podcast anywhere you find this one. All right, Rick, let's talk a little free agency and at the top of the conversation, um, I handed at it right before the break there. Jimmy Garoppolo, according to Adam Schefter, as we do this podcast, three years, 67.5 million, 34 guaranteed. He is headed to the Las Vegas Raiders. Jared Stidham, I believe, has just signed with the Broncos. So he's done oh. there. So what's your reaction to Jimmy G? And you sort of hinted at it last week on the emergency pod, headed to Las Vegas. Yeah, no, I anticipated that he would be uh, Josh McDaniel's target just because they work together in New England. He knows the system. 
you've seen how Derek Carr struggled with that system. It takes time to learn that and to get comfortable with everything. So Jimmy G should walk in there and, and be ready to go. But I still do not think that that length of deal, that type of money that they committed is a long-term deal. And I wouldn't be surprised if they still went quarterback at number seven where they're selecting to have a guy, whether it's a Levis or a Richardson, sit behind Jimmy G. Similar to what uh, San Francisco did when they drafted Trey Lance. Uh, and I believe Jimmy G was the uh, plug-in guy until they felt that Trey Lance was ready to go. Yeah, my latest mock draft, which came out Monday morning at 7, I have the Raiders taking Anthony Richardson, even though I note it would make sense to sign Jimmy Garoppolo. That has since happened and I haven't taken Richardson because Will uh, Will Levis went off the board earlier to the Colts. He traded up to three to get him. And so, obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo understands that he's signing this deal as another bridge quarterback. I, I suppose he's fine with it. It's hard to beat the money. Um, but the more important question is, is this team going to be any better than they were last year in that division? Last year, they they went 6-11, and 11, so you, you think they win more football games, but are they going to be able to make the playoffs? Yeah, well, six and eleven. Look how many games they lost in the last minutes of the game. Uh, you know, so they're right there. They got to learn how to finish and win close games. You know, they kept uh, the running back franchise him, which was a critical part of that offense. So they got they have uh, Adams. So they they have talent on that football team, and I think they'll probably continue to build up that defense because the defense struggled last year. Um, you know. I don't think they got great value out of the uh, Chandler Jones who signed from Arizona. So they're going to continue to build on that defensive side of the ball. And I think that they do have enough talent to compete. And if they learn how to win close games, that uh, their record would be totally different than what we're talking about. Yeah, there's going to be, I mean, that division is going to be crazy. We'll, we'll see. Brandon Staley's back for another year. Justin Herbert's there for another year. New offensive coordinator and Kellen Moore. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. Uh, Denver, new coach, Sean Payton. Can you get the most out of Russ Wilson? And then, of course, Jimmy G reunited with Josh McDaniel. Daniels in Vegas. Uh, let's take a more general overview of the free agency period because as a general manager, you got to have your finger in, in every single pie that um, is part of the organization. So you just got back from the combine. Now we're firing up free agency. What, what is your schedule like at this point? Uh, have you are you leaving the the draft stuff to the the college directors? What are you doing? Yeah, right now all the uh, you know we already have had our pre combine draft meeting, so we have our initial board set. Um, you know the uh, analytics people and everybody's inputting all the data. All the test numbers are coming in, the psychological tests, the intelligence tests, you know, you're going to get your medical scores, all that's coming in. But we were, uh, once I did get back from the combine, then it was 100% honed in and focused on free agency because this is where you're going to have to help improve your football team. And so as soon as you get back, you're, you're finalizing your plan um, in free agency. Now you're sitting up, and I remember staying there till 12, 1 o'clock in the morning trying to work out deals mm. uh, to get these guys to potentially come to your place first uh, because it was always a scramble. If there were two guys, and you were probably going to get the line from the agent, well, he's going to go to Team A first, and I promise he's not going to sign a deal. He'll come to Team B, and then we'll make a decision after that. So yeah, and then it becomes a recruiting process because free agency, they get to select, not like the draft where you get to select the player. So you're pulling out all the bells and whistles once they're allowed to start coming in. You can have, we're seeing a lot of deals in place right now. I'm sure those are pending physical uh, when they come in and get their physical, um, but you're putting them up. We always put them up in a suite downtown, did a tour of the facility, of the stadium, just like college kids getting recruited hanging their jersey up with their number on it in the <laughs> locker room. Big sign, welcome to Minnesota when they go through the stadium. So there were a lot of recruit, a lot of recruiting dinners um, that you're taking these guys out, spending a lot of time with them over the next couple of weeks uh, trying to get free agency. Plus, you're getting ready to start make the uh, tour on the uh, pro days as well. So there were a lot of times I'd be out of the pro day 
and our people would say, hey, we got so-and-so coming in for a free agent visit. So you get jumped back on a plane, get back there for a free agent visit, then jump back out and start hitting pro day. So, but pretty much all the work is done. The plan is in place. The negotiation, you know, negotiating con- contracts are the biggest thing going on right now. And hopefully if you uh, agree uh, to a deal, which still can't be signed to act till the league year officially kicks off, um, then you're then you're ready to go. But it's going back and forth between college and free agency. You know, a lot of times there was, I believe, right before free agency is when we made the uh, the Diggs trade as well, and that came mm. together pretty quickly. So there's a lot of trade talks going on right now. We're seeing a lot of trades happen. Uh, but those trade talks started more than likely when all the teams and the general managers were together at the Combine. Right. And you talked about the recruiting process, which a lot of fans probably don't think about. And I don't know if it's in The Athletic or, or some other publication, not CBS, that they they ranked all the facilities and the Vikings were near the top. So I'm sure that's a huge selling point where there's some older facilities around the league that that aren't quite as up to date. And the fact, the fact that the Vikings are, are where they are, not in just terms of the new stadium, but apparently the facilities as well are, are top notch. I want to ask you one more thing, though. Are you trying to sign the Vikings players that you want ahead of free agency, or do you wait to see willing to take a chance just to see what the market is so you don't overpay? Well, if um, you can't get to an agreement with the agent, a lot of times it's not about not wanting a player back, but maybe they do have to go out on the free agent market to see what their true value is. And, you know, uh, we would make sure that, you know, we stayed in the game. We were continually talking to the representative I remember guys that we had in from other teams and the team, you know, let them go out to the market and they were on a visit with us. Yet people are blowing their phone up when we're sitting there trying to have dinner, you know, (laughs) make sure you come here or we want you back or head coaches, owners, everybody are involved in a lot of these recruiting calls uh, to try to persuade these players. So it's a, it's an arms race, especially the first three or four days of uh, free agency. That's when all the big things, and all of a sudden, boom, it just settles down. And then you try to get ready for the bargain bin and trying to get guys that are good football players that may not have got what they wanted, maybe overestimated what their market value was going to be. Uh, so you're staying in contact with them. I remember when we signed um, Patrick Peterson, I was in an airport at uh, Atlanta, making a connection to another pro day, his agent had reached out to me and said, Patrick Peterson's market isn't where it's going to be. I said, where's it at? And he said, it's going to be around this area. I said, let me call my cap guy. So I talked to our cap guy or ownership and then called him back before my flight left. I said, listen, I'm catching a flight. I'll call you in an hour and a half. And uh, by the time I got on the ground, our cap guy had put together a deal for Patrick wow. Wilson, and we flew him up and physical him and, and then we're able to sign him. Look at that. And by the way, Debo, of course, cause he has everything at his fingertips. He had uh, where the Vikings ranked uh, for all these certain categories. And I think this is a testament to old Rick Spielman here. Treatment of families. A. <laughs> so you took care of your people, which sounds yeah, it, you know, we all, that started with our ownership and with the will family. We always wanted to make sure that, uh, we ran it in a first class way and that we did everything and understanding that the product we're putting on the field, we need to take care of once they become a Minnesota Viking, not only, you know, from the contract, but there's a lot more than just paying a guy. Uh, we just took it, the, tried to take it the extra step to make sure that, uh, their families were welcome and, and try to go above and beyond to make sure that the players only had to worry about football and that we were make sure we were going to do everything in a first-class way uh, outside of what was going on on the field. Yep, that sounds about uh, like old Rick Spielman there, even though he doesn't like people to know that he's a good guy. That checks (laughs) out. All right, Debo, this CBS Sports report card, what does that mean? What do you got? I just wanted to – how are you treated, Ryan? What would you grade how you're treated by by me and and your coworkers? Oh, in terms of Debo, the producer, Rick, he gets A plus. In terms of working with Rick, A plus. And again, Debo, he doesn't like people knowing that he's a nice guy, but he is. He, he is. <laughs> yeah, a, I'm not an. Uh, uh, I want to say I want to be an R hole, an A hole. I'm actually a pretty <laughs> nice guy. You know, no, Debo. But, Debo's trying to 
hone in on this podcast right now and get some free airtime to promote himself. <laughs> See, here it, promote <laughs> there it is. There, there's the Rick that I know and love. <laughs> the sarcastic Rick is now coming out. <laughs> the scar, there's the sarcastic Rick. No, A-plus all around, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, all right. So let's see what else we got here, Rick. Um, do you care at all about, because you know what the needs are for your team, you don't care what the draft board looks like at this point of the year because you're trying to fill yeah, your team. Yeah, I sure do. I'm not going to go try to fill my team needs. Okay. I don't okay. know where the strengths of the draft are, and, and that's why we set the initial board. I have okay. to know that uh, if position A, let's say running backs this year, are strong, very strong through the draft, uh, that we'll be able to get a running back either Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, depending on the numbers, that we'll be able to fill that need. I will not be very aggressive coming right out of the gates trying to go get a running back in free agency. Now, you'll let the dust settle after till the end of the month, next two or three weeks, and if there's still guys out there, all of a sudden they're looking to try to get hooked on, and then it's uh, you get to pick and choose. Gotcha. So, Okay, well, that's why I'm not a general manager. That's why you are. You do have to pay attention to where the depth lies in the draft before you start spending money in free agency. That checks out. No, thanks, bud. I appreciate it. <laughs> is Debo right, well, okay with that statement, too? Or is uh, he good? You good, Debo? <laughs> I'm good, Rick. There you go. <laughs> uh, one last thing on free agency, and then we'll take a quick break and get to the mailback questions. So compensatory picks are a big thing, and it's sort of a confusing thing for fans because they hear about it once a year when the picks are announced. But this is something that you also think about 12 months Huge. out in advance, right? Huge. It's so, all of a sudden, yeah, we had what we called a CTR list, cut, trade, restructure list. So we try to anticipate all the moves that the teams are going to make. And let's say, for example, uh, the Minnesota Vikings cut Adam Thielen. Now, if there's a free agent, and Adam Thielen, and they're equal on your board, I'm going to go get Adam Thielen mm. uh, because it will not count towards our com compensatory picks. So let's say you sign one free agent and you lost five free agents. Well, you're going to get compensatory, but you can sign as many of these guys that are getting cut or that got cut because they're technically not unrestricted free agents. They're street free agents. So they will not count in any way, shape, or form in a compensatory formula that the league puts, puts together. And depending on how, quote-unquote, good the player is, you can get as high as a third-round pick at the end of the third rounds when the, the compensatory picks Depending pick's on your, 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 what, you, what you've signed and what you lost. And so, that's right. Yeah. So, the, that's, so how good that, the player is. Not, yeah, and that's not talking about the new general manager and coaching third-round compensations, which San Francisco got that's right. um, when they lost a lot of their top and and Top, not only top people, uh, but minorities as well, as we try to keep pushing more for minority hirings, which I still think needs to be pushed a lot harder. But um, those compensatory picks, anytime we had a street free agent compared to a UFA, that was a huge conversation. And I would always ask the people in our building who were responsible for trying to figure out where the compensatory picks were, um, how does this signing potentially affect that? And that's what you have to think about every single oh, yeah. time. That's you... a huge part. Yeah. Especially with, like I said, the guys that are getting released. Those are all very good. Some very good football players out there that you may all of a sudden change your strategy and go after those guys because they're not going to count against your compensatory picks. All right. I, I hate to ask you this because I didn't prep you on this. I, you may not know the answer, and we'll look it up for next time if you don't. Do you have off the top of your head your best compensatory draft pick? I, I, that, that one's, I don't know. I've had 31 years in the league. So that's <laughs> like, all right, we'll look it up. Out, yeah. Decision, pretty much a decision maker since 2000. So it's right. a little hard to figure, to remember all that. All right. I'll, I'll look it up and we'll talk about it next time. 31 years. I get it, Rick. You've been a pretty important person for three decades. We get it. No, just, just a guy trying to, trying to rub two nickels together. It's, hey, you know, All right. I'll say quick. Aaron Sanibel, you know, Sanibel. Don't, don't. trying to get back together on my feet. <laughs> don't mention Sanibel when you talk about rubbing two nickels together. That sort of defeats the, the purpose of getting those nickels. All right. Uh, oh, quick question here from Dominic. Ryan Rick does not uh, have time to look at the brackets right now. He's looking for his next house with the CBS money. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> that checks out. Correct, Dominic. All right, let's take a quick break. 
and we'll find out where Rick is going to live next. By the way, smash that like button, leave a comment, subscribe to the channel, do all those things to help us help you. And uh, Rick, you mentioned the the NCAA tournament bracket, but you and I both are, are soccer guys. And CBS Paramount Plus has Europa League, has Champions League, and uh, I would imagine you're probably pretty excited about that too. Yeah, oh yeah, no, I put it on in the afternoons uh, when they get the Champions League going. Uh, big Premier Soccer League fan, although not part of the CBS family, but uh, there there's some good soccer, and it's a good break in the afternoon to catch maybe a wink or two while you're sitting there watching the soccer. <laughs> By the way, and you don't want to hear this, you and I are, are very much a lot alike. That's troubling. The only difference is you have uh, a hair regimen, as you've explained to me. I do not. No. All right. Let's do uh, some few, a few mailback questions, and we'll get out of here. Get back to grinding tape. All right. Here's the first mailback question from at Jay Castle. How do teams value future first-round picks, especially those two years away, and that makes that's part of the conversation now that the Panthers have traded with the Bears. The Bears get some first round compensation. What is your future planning board looks like, for lack of a better term, in terms of how you move forward in terms of getting the personnel together on this roster? Yeah, I, you know, it's changed. I believe it's uh, before those were gold. Now they get uh, traded pretty often. But look at what Philadelphia and Howie Roseman oh, did. Man. He kept accumulating all those first round picks. And then when you have that many first-round picks, it does give you a lot of flexibility um, to use them in trades um, to help improve your roster uh, if you do stay with those picks. I thought Howie, because they didn't know Jalen Hurst was going to be the Jalen Hurst we saw this year, mm. he had enough ammunition, I shouldn't say that, had enough draft capital <laughs> um, to uh, move up and get one of these four quarterbacks if Jalen Hurts didn't work out. And he did. They're going to pay him. Uh, but Chris Greer also had a ton of first-round picks. And because he did in the future, he was able to go get Tyreek Hill last year. They went and traded for Chubb, even though I, I believe they lost one for the uh, tampering with Tom Brady from the ownership. But right. I think those are of great value um, because th that's basically – every NFL team's capital on how they trade for veteran players or, you know, how they move up and down in the draft. That's still the number one draft uh, draft is the capitals, the number one capital on how you improve your roster. And by the way, if jail, uh, excuse me, if uh, Justin Fields has a Zach Wilson type season, now the bears have two first round picks next year to cross that bridge. Do they have to, so that you, it, it allows you to plan for your quarterback situation too. And by the way, by the way, Caleb Williams, Drake Bay are going to be in next year's quarterbacks class. We'll be talking about these guys uh, from April 30th at the end of the draft until they're actually drafted. All right. Rashard Clark asks, what should the Falcons do at pick eight? And I'll just let you know, Rick, in my latest mock draft at eight, I had the Falcons taking Christian Gonzalez because Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson were off the board. There's still Miles Murphy and Lucas Van Ness available. Or if you want to get an offensive lineman or something else. Yeah, they have to go defense, and I think they'll play take the best. And I don't think an edge – I would go edge rusher if there was one of the edge rushers. Those are harder to get. Um, but I can see them taking a corner. But they definitely have to go defense uh, with the eighth overall pick. And if they have enough depth on their board, uh, they could potentially move down and pick up more draft capital. Uh, I've done that – I don't know how many – times moved down, but then I took that capital and moved back up in the draft as well. So um, it gives you a lot of movement and flexibility, but if you're locked in and on someone at the eighth overall pick and I always went, if you feel that you're, you're going to be sick, if you lose this player, then take right. the player. But if right. you have options, then move down, pick up some draft capital and then see what's going on on Friday. You can always move back up to go get guys you covered on Friday and Saturday as well. But I, they definitely have to go defense, either pass rusher or corner. Let me because throw it you put Gonzalez with uh, A.J. Uh, Terrell, Terrell, that's yeah. going to be a pretty good combination of uh, corners, young corners for to hold down that defense. I know you love hypotheticals. So let me float this one by you here. The Falcons reportedly just traded for Johnny Smith today, so he'll be joining – um, Kyle Pitts, which is fun. And if you're sitting there at eight as the Falcons, all you have on the roster right now is Desmond Ritter, last year's third round pick. 
didn't play necessarily great, but that's not an indictment of, of him because it was a rookie year. He got better. He got, he improved the more experience he got and he right. had a pretty good preseason. So let's, let's all hold the forward on whether he's a bus. It's too early to tell yet. On a bus. I'm, I was just offering some qualification. No, I know what you're indicating. You, you, you're like a lot of people just want to throw him away after two games. What he's saying, <laughs> move on. <laughs> if Will Levis is there at eight, what are you doing? Um, it just depends on how strongly you feel about Ritter. If you want to say, hey, we, we, we want to stick with this guy. He showed enough progress last year. He's not perfect yet, but we think he's going to continue to get better. Let's get the football team around him better and see how good he can be. Okay. I just wanted to ask. All right. Alex Heitlinger oh, asked. put that in the mailbag because going forward, I'm only going to ask mailbag questions. If you don't have one in the mailbag, don't ask. <laughs> no variation from the from the rundown. All right, Dooley, I'll ask this one word for word from Alex here. Who was the best quarterback you ever drafted? Question mark. Boy, uh, I would have to say I, I missed on Christian Ponder. Everybody knows that. I'd say the best one before he got injured we thought was going to be Teddy Bridgewater. Um, yep. I thought he was going to be, uh, you know, the way he was progressing and played his rookie year and then took another jump second year, got us in the playoffs. And then third year, we were really excited he was going to hit the ground running. And and that's usually when you see the third year, these young quarterbacks take off. And unfortunately, the tragic knee uh, injury on a practice field and then uh, never was able to recover to what he was. He's still a very viable backup, I believe. Um, but he was, I thought he had a, a chance of being pretty special. No, that's a, that feels like a pretty easy one. And by the way, not crackpot, but our crack staff, our Edebo, ran through all the Rick Spielman compensatory picks, and he thinks Rhett Ellison might be the winner. Rhett Ellison. <laughs> so tight end USC played a long time for us as a uh, in a uh, in a reserve role, and then uh, I think went on to the Giants. There you go. So if someone asks you that in the future, now you know, Rick. Thank you. Thanks, that crackpot <laughs> analytic staff. Crack, crack, Research. crack. Oh, research staff. <laughs> All right. At Stub67 asks, and this is a good question. Who is the one player that you, Rick Spielman, passed on that you wish he drafted? Uh, boy, that's a great question. I would have to go back to that uh, 2011 um, when we drafted uh, Christian Ponder. There was a defensive end we really liked. His name is uh, Cam Jordan, who ended up being a pretty good player in New Orleans. Yeah, he's not uh, bad. <laughs> his, his dad was Steve Jordan, who's in the Minnesota Vikings Ring of Honor. Oh, man. So I would say that one, um, even though we had some pretty good, I think we still had Jared Allen, uh, but he was high on our board, and uh, that's probably one I wish I would have taken. Ryan Kerrigan was in that class. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the list, uh, the first-round list here. Um God, that's that's yeah. That that first round was was sort of hit or miss. Mike Pouncey was a good pick, obviously for the Dolphins, but there there's some guys there that that didn't work out for various reasons. And I can I, I'm going to ask you, you don't have to answer. If JJ Watt had been there at twelve, would you have taken him? Well, I don't know if everybody knew what JJ Watt was going to be. Yeah, he was coming out of Wisconsin, played like a, his hair on fire every snap in Wisconsin, which <laughs> fun to watch on tape, but. Uh, it, we we couldn't figure out if he was going to be a stand-up guy or if he was going to be a, a hand-in-the-dirt guy, and he ended up, you know, growing and being a hand-in-the-dirt yeah. guy. So converted tight end too. So that was part of the the math you were trying to figure out there. By the way, you talked about Teddy Bridgewater. If you are listening and you're interested in more, Rick did a whole segment, Rick's picks, on how the Vikings arrived at drafting Teddy Bridgewater. So you can find that on the old YouTube's. Just search with the first pick and Teddy Bridgewater, Rick's picks. You can watch the whole episode there. All right, here's a question from Joe R. Where should the Patriots go in the first round? Feels like they need a tackle or a wide receiver, but neither position seems to have an impact player that will be there at 14 and fits their mold. And I'll just say this, Rick. I took your advice. You sort of hinted at it when we did our mock draft uh, Thursday show last week with Josh Edwards. I had him taking B. John Robinson at 14 for the reasons you, you laid out, just to help the young quarterback. But what do you think they should do there at 14? Well, that was my uh, theory. <laughs> so you you used it actually in this mock draft. Yeah, I didn't hate it. It actually makes sense. Yeah, I think if BJ Robinson is that high on their draft board, 
that you always got to take the best player because he's a unique and special talent. We went through, they do need offensive tackle. They do need receiver. I don't know if they'll sign Jacoby Myers back. Sounds like he was in a doghouse most of the year. So uh, they have some work to do to put some weapons around uh, Mac Jones. But if a B. John Robinson, and like I said, with Bill O'Brien coming in there and how important uh, the run game is for him, uh, especially with a quarterback like Mac Jones, who may not be as mobile as some of these other quarterbacks and may not make as many plays on his feet. You got to have enough playmakers around him. Uh, but I can see him also going, you know, tackle yep. you know, uh, or or receiver. Um, but it, it may be, in my opinion, it'd be too good to pass up if Robinson was there. Let me ask you quickly as a follow-up. I know it's not on the, on the rundown, but you don't have to answer if you don't want to. But it's is this it a mailbag question? Or are we going to break the rules again? I'm breaking the rules. <laughs> God, I just glad to be a part of the show by by the Ryan Wilson show. <laughs> but the so I don't know. I, I can't recall if you have any specific history with this. But the Patriots have not been great at drafting wide receivers in the first round. Does that weigh into your thought process if you're thinking about taking a wide receiver in the first round in subsequent drafts, or you're just evaluating players, drafting players? I think you just got to evaluate and draft, but okay. I always did whatever I felt, you know, when we did screw up um, and we we were not getting whatever right, we would really do a, a deep dive into what we were missing and why we were missing it. So okay. I don't know the reasons why, uh, but uh, we always try to take uh, the initiative to make sure you go back and reassess what you're doing and what you're seeing and why you're missing this specific position. Yep, makes sense. All right, at Famous Norseman asks, I think he's a Vikings fan, just guessing there, how much of a difference is there in evaluating players from Power 5 schools versus players from smaller programs? And that's a big reason for the All-Star Games. You get a sense for how they these players interact with bigger names from bigger schools. And even the combine, you can see in terms of the testing. So what's your thought process there? Yeah, my first uh, year or two in scouting, I had the Southeast and uh, – there was a player I was working for the Lions at the time um, that I gave a late round pick to. And because uh, he was from a small school down there, he had the size and everything you're looking for. And uh, I was afraid to put a grade on him when I was a young scout because people were going to think I'm crazy because I'm putting <laughs> a big grade on this. So go through the draft process. This player went through the combine and, uh, had a great pro day, and I believe he still is the all-time sack leader in but in uh, Detroit Lions history. It was Robert Porsche out of South Carolina. Wow. State. So I always remembered that, and I learned from that that it doesn't matter where you come from. It's it's you know you look at all the things that you do, but just grade the tape, and you're hoping to see the smaller school kids like we watched uh, Malk. Uh, from North Carolina or North Dakota State this year. Yep. Uh, we saw a couple of small school guys uh, that really stepped up at the uh, Senior Bowl, and that kind of tells you that the stage is not going to be too big for them. They're going to have some growing uh, – cons- you know, they have to learn, uh, and it may take some time, but they're going to be good players, especially if you see them athletically match up at the Senior Bowl or East-West or wherever they end up in these uh, – post-season uh, All-Star games. Yep. Nope, that's good advice. Uh, Robert Porsche, huh? What what grade did you finally give him before he turned in your report? Uh, well, we didn't have computers in. It was uh, white out. So I just left it, this, chalked it up as a life lesson learned and move on. <laughs> there you go. Good old white out to the rescue. Uh, just tell people you, you put a first-round grade, grade on. No one can check. So uh, Yeah. No, there's no, <laughs> yeah, there's no proof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rick had a first round grade on Robert Porsche. What a story. First, yeah. First pick in the seventh round, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> That's a great story though. All right. One last one Hill here, excuse me. Then we'll get out of here. Noble War Prize asks, Rick, can you speak to the inspiration that Bud Grant was for the Minnesota Vikings organization? Uh, Bud Grant just passed away and he was a longtime coach. I think he took the team to the four Super Bowls, if I'm correct. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, All right, tell me just, about your uh, your experiences with Bud Grant. Yeah, phenomenal coach, but even a better human being. And I can remember uh, him coming over to the facility a lot, uh, sitting down, having lunch with him, 
and just listening to some of the stories and how he did things back then and you know how much of it could translate in today's game which not a lot did but it was amazing to hear him and the Vince Lombardi stories and you know everything that you read about or watched growing up as a kid or you know if you're a big NFL historian and actually have someone that's in a Hall of Fame that may be one of the greatest coaches of all time to sit there and have lunch with him, uh, <laughs> you know, once a week. Uh, I, I made the initiative and asked him if it was if he mind if I went and sat there. Uh, but the nicest human being I've ever been around is, as uh, you know, he comes across a little gruff. Uh, oh yeah, he was he was an unbelievable human being, and I remember we played a game. Uh, and I can't remember which game I'm thinking it was a playoff game against Seattle when it was 17. I remember getting in the car it was 17 below zero without the wind chill and Bud came out for the coin flip. If it wasn't for that game, it was a night game. Uh, I, I believe against the New York giants, uh, when we got the dome collapse, but it was one of those games where he walked out and it was freezing cold and he came out in just his coaching shirt at uh, 80 some years old and Hardcore. it was yeah it was just awesome but and his family i mean mike grant his son i can't tell you how many state championships he's won at eden prairie high school oh nice uh, my kids had a were blessed to play for mike grant bud's son incredible family incredible human being and it will be uh will be truly missed and i'll say this and you said this to me at some point in our travels and i tell my 15 year old this all the time but you're saying is uh just work hard and you'll end up where you're supposed to be yeah yeah you just control what you can control that's yeah. all you can do and work your hardest at what you can control and everything else usually ends up taking care of itself yeah and that's great advice and that feels like something that um either directly or indirectly maybe you learn from from mr grant there that's a great story thank you rick all right that's a wrap on Does he want to come in and close the show, or is he going to sit in the background? I mean, he's kind of like starting to hone in a little bit more and more each show. Debo, do you want to say goodbye, or are you good? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it, Rick. That's a wrap for episode 23. Remember, give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Thank you, as always, for all the support. Rick and I will be back Wednesday with Emory Hunt to talk the top running backs in this draft class. Rick, as always, thank you, sir. Thank you, Debo. We'll see you guys on Wednesday.